Hello and welcome to the third podcast from the technology team at Cancer Research UK. I'm Josie. And I'm Graham. And we started this podcast to help tell the story of what we do at Cancer Research UK in the hope that other charities and people who are interested in technology will find it helpful or interesting to hear about our experiences. In this episode, we'll be speaking to Rachel Xavier, who is a service designer in the technology team and is currently working on the Future of Work project. She's been at the organisation for almost three years, but previously has worked um, across a number of charities in digital marketing roles. Welcome, Rachel. Good to have you here. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thanks for asking me. So we usually kick off by um, asking our guest to tell us a little bit about yourself. So um, I'm a service designer at Cancer Research UK. As you've already said, I've been here almost three years now. I've work, I have work with teams across the organisation to deliver pieces of digital work, so great pieces of work, um, upskilling teams and embedding uh, lean and agile ways of working. So trying to uh, encourage the organisation to test small thing pieces of work and get feedback from our users and really sort of change the way that we deliver pieces of work. Um, Previous to that, I worked in digital marketing for many years and I I think the reason why I I sort of moved into a service design role is because I got growingly more frustrated with the fact that we would create, you know, large campaigns for lots and lots of money without really speaking to the audiences who we're doing these campaigns for. And this this role was was really around um, user centricity, which I absolutely loved. So that's what brought me here. And you've worked with us for a little while and then left and then came back, didn't you? I did, yeah. So um, I worked at CRUK many years ago and I worked here for, uh, for four and a half years. And I worked in what was uh, digital marketing at the time. And we basically had a, a small team of digital marketeers who helped teams across the organisation to run digital marketing campaigns. Um, and then I left and then I came back and been here for three years. CIUK's home yeah. for me. Oh, that's good. And so today we're going to be talking um, about the Future of Work project that you're involved in. So can you tell us a little bit about that? What, what's the vision there? Yeah, so Future of Work is... A large program at Cancer Research UK that's looking at changing the way in which we work. So um, we will be moving our building from Angel to Stratford uh, towards the end of this year. And that presented an opportunity where we could look at how we work, where we work, the technology that now enables us to work in a different way. So Future of Work was, was born to sort of look at those areas. So the vision is to build a working environment that is flexible, that's adaptive, that's collaborative. And there's lots and lots of research and, um, you know, externally and internally to, to prove that by working this way, you know, organisations can deliver great pieces of work and really deliver the work that, that our supporters want. So the the actual program is broken up into three buckets. There's the hardware, there's the software, and there's the ways of working. The hardware is giving us the technology to be able to work in a different way. An example is, um, you know, we can't work flexibly or in a different location if we're tied to a desktop computer. So the hardware bit is we've, we're rolling out brand new laptops to everyone in the organisation. Uh, the software, um, equally, we can't work collaboratively and flexibly if if we don't have cloud-based uh, software. So we're looking at uh, 
new software for those laptops. Um, and then the ways of working, which is the bit that I, I really am really in, super interested in, is the culture behind it. So, you know, it's one thing to sort of give over technology. It's another thing to take that technology and sit in a coffee shop and do your job. The culture around that, the behaviour around that um, is completely different. And, and to some teams at CIUK, a little foreign. Um, so that's that's really interesting for me. So I think the most interesting part of it and the thing that underpins it all is the behaviour change. But you've touched on some of the hardware and software changes that we have made. I guess the next question I'd like to ask you is how hard... Uh, or what have been the main challenges with those particular changes before we get on to? Yeah, so I think one of the challenges um, is CIUK is a large organisation, so um, we have very different uh, beliefs of what, uh, let's say, working flexibly means. So some people that might mean um, I work from home one day a week and that's okay. For some people that might be I work in a coffee shop and I work from home and I do half of my job on the train and the, the other half, you know, in the office. It means very, very different things to different people. So trying to engage with different teams who have very inconsistent ways of, of, the, of, of the same subject is is a challenge in itself um, so we have to find a way where we can meet teams where they are and sort of either encourage them to do more of what they're doing or to really challenge them to, to do something new so I think that's one of the challenges the other the other challenges I mean it's a big program um, it touches on everybody in the organisation and it's not just those who are moving to the new building it's those who are regionally based as well you know making sure that the way that we work differently doesn't have a negative impact on those who are out in the field so that we can bring together a more consistent uh, way of of living at CIUK and working at CIUK. Then, you know, it shouldn't be too much of a departure if you're working in the office to if you're working out in the field. The experiences should be diff- the, should be the same, sorry. And the tools and the access that you have should also be the same. Hopefully it will make it better as well. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. What are um, some of the intangible changes that we want to see? And why is it important? So I think for me, one of the things that's really important is us trying to embrace a more test and learn approach to doing stuff. So for a lot of people, the changes that we're asking them to to make are very very different so we're asking them to to make them in a in a really test and learn way so we're going to test something with you we're going to see if it works uh, we're going to learn from it and we're going to adapt it that in itself is quite a cultural difference for some teams um, at cancer research uk what are some of the reactions that you've been getting Hmm. <laughs> so funny enough some people are really really sensitive to particular words that you say so if I say experimentation although it's a word that you know is accepted in the English language it does sometimes get people's back up because again people have different understandings of what an experiment actually is some people say they don't understand what an experiment would be so I think language is a real challenge mm. sometimes mm. I wonder if we've got a responsibility to kind of put some well I guess we probably do education around that but actually maybe we need to think about 
those kind of trigger words and if there are other other words that we should be using. Yeah, definitely. And it, it's it's a conversation by conversation learning, to be honest, because with one team, you and it, the word experiment might be perfectly fine, and with another team, it, it's not. So, I think it's it's testing and learning on ourselves, really. Mm. And on the flip side of that, um, I know in my personal experience, I've worked in three different teams across Cancer Research UK now, and what you said before, I can only echo that the the different definitions of what flexible working is is very varied across the charity and I'm sure that's the same for other uh, external companies as well but so far to look on the bright side have you seen any good success stories or any quick wins in the time that you've been in the project so far? Yeah so I've seen teams really sort of embrace I mean, we're talking about flexible quite a lot and it's not just about flexible working. Mm. But, we, you know, I've really seen some teams really put themselves to, to the test and say, right, our whole department is going to work from home one day of the week or the whole department is going to make sure we have a clear desk um, at the end of the day to make sure that if we want to do hot desking that someone coming into the office doesn't come to a desk that's you know full of personal stuff and they they feel like they're intruding so that's also really really important uh, so so yeah so there's been some great success so far another thing that i uh, actually heard about yesterday was that um i'm sure you're probably aware of as well that the welcome trust are trialing doing four day weeks uh, instead i don't know if you is that something that you were aware of and that uh, you yeah, were watching something, quite closely? Yeah, something I'm aware of. Um, and I think that's really, really brave of them to do. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure Cancer Research UK is at that stage yet. No. Um, but, I mean, anything is possible. I think um, when we move to Stratford, there's going to be teams of people or groups of people that, you know, the journey time might be hard for them. Yeah. Um, so actually trying to find different ways for them to still deliver amazing work for the charity, but in a way that's more flexible and um, striking a much better balance between work and home um, is, you know, anything is on the table, I yeah. think, in the future. And and with that being the case that anything's on the table, is this, as this is quite an experimentation project, do we have a clear idea of what success is for this project, either in the short term, in the long term, or anywhere in between? Yeah, so so that's quite hard to define, actually, I think. So we're doing quite a lot of work at the moment, and our milestone is Stratford for now. So where Mm. do we know we need to be by the time we get to Stratford? Um, And under each one of the themes, flexible, collaborative, um, and adaptive, what are the, the measures of success for each one of them in relation to Stratford? And what are the pieces of work that fit under each one of those and the experiments that fit under each one of those? And then what are the metrics that we are measuring those pieces of work too to then feed into the wider theme so that we're working on that at the moment because it is quite tricky. But I think we have to set some milestones in place um, and Stratford feels like the most sensible milestone. Yeah. And just for the benefit of our listeners, um, Cancer Research UK are moving offices to have a headquarters in Stratford from October of this year. I know we've spoken previously about needing resilience in a role like yours. What have been some of your personal challenges um, in this project and how do you cope with such a mammoth task? 
Yeah, so when I think about resilience, I think about bounce back ability. So sometimes you have really difficult days, you know, where you've gone meeting to meeting, conversation to conversation. You have to think quick, respond quick. And for me, it's about bouncing back after each one of those. And that's not easy to do. And uncoupled with that is, you know, what's happening at home, what's happening in life. You know, there's a lot of bouncing back that you need to do. Um, So I think for me, it's about really taking the time to notice when my anxiety levels are rising, when my stress levels are rising, really sort of knowing myself to know, actually, I need to remove myself from this situation because um, it's not healthy for me and I won't be able to bounce back from that. Or it's, you know, understanding just understanding my limitations um and if I need to work from home for a day for some headspace then then I should do that yeah I was going to ask have you sort of seen benefits of the flexible working and things yourself yeah absolutely (laughs) so um my daughter uh, started school in September and she had the craziest settling in period um at school where um she started the second week at September and then for two weeks she did three hours in the morning and then the last week she did a couple of hours in the morning a couple of hours in the afternoon now I can't do a nine to five like that um, and I live quite far away so it just was impossible so I put myself to the test with obviously the agreement of my my manager uh, to have a flexible working arrangement where I I mean I basically worked from home for a month And that was absolutely brilliant and completely eye-opening to some of the challenges, to um, also the barriers that are there technology-wise, but also the benefits. You know, I I wasn't doing a long commute. I was there for the first few weeks of my daughter starting school, which I would never get that, you know, memory or experience again if I didn't do that. Um, So that was really, really important. You know, seeing my daughter leave classroom and it's not a child minder picking her up but it's her mum um so that was very very important to me so I've definitely seen the benefits of it and I would really encourage others to try it just try it it's scary sometimes and yeah technology sometimes fails us um you know sometimes your manager might not know exactly how to manage somebody they don't see every day, but work through it. I think if you um, put steps in place, put milestones in place, and as long as you're still delivering great, amazing work, that's the main thing. Mm. Yeah, that's a good measure of success in itself. And I guess the thing, if you know, if it is a kind of trial or a, you know a test. Um, if you treat it like that in itself, it's not kind of like forever. You can just see how it works and then keep communicating. Things like Absolutely. That. And actually, I guess for you, you spoke about user centricity. I think probably that experience will also have given you a much richer um, understanding of the people who are remote and the regional workers and things like that. So that will also be helpful for the project. Yeah, absolutely. Like one of one of the challenges I noticed was um, really simple things. You know, there's a meeting and somebody's forgotten to put Skype details on or, you know, everybody is in a room and you're the only one on the phone and they've totally forgotten that you're on the phone. And it's only by putting putting myself in those shoes where I really understood what a regional worker goes through sometimes and trying to find the right tools, software tools to 
enable us to have a good workshop or have a good meeting and still make it really inclusive or regardless of what location you are. So I think that was a really good test for me to to have a lot of empathy for those people who work regionally based mm. to then really drive forward that this is a change that we need to make at CRUK to make sure that, you know, for those people who work flexibly can still have a great experience. And, you know, there's there's other great benefits as well. You know, there's the, the type of workforce we recruit and retain is so dependent as well on our ability to be flexible and our ability to collaborate with other groups of people that don't necessarily think like us or, you know, don't necessarily come up with the same projects or thoughts as us. You know, there's so much research out there to, to show that if you work in collaboration with someone who may not have the same background as you, you know, the work that you produce is always greater than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, you know, so it's, there's so many benefits to it. I mean, I talked about flexible working a lot, but... Um, collaboration is also so important and um, being adaptive um, as an organisation is is so important as well and making sure that we are building a workforce that is resilient because technology has sort of created an environment where change happens constantly and you know, organisations need to respond to that. So we need to listen to what's happening, respond to what our users need and deliver something uh, appropriately. I think there was, I think there was a, a place and a time and place for, you know, the nine to five where you leave your personal life at home, you travel in and then your work life starts and then you sort of reverse it on the way home. I think there was a time and place, you know, after the Industrial Revolution where, you know, factory working became massive, um, you know, and you had to go into a workplace. Um, but because of technology, it's changed that so much. Um, the work that you produce can literally be done anywhere. Technology isn't the back barrier anymore. It's the culture that's the barrier. Um, so if we start changing the culture, changing the behaviour, changing the acceptance of the fact that work can be done anywhere and you don't have to be seen to be working your work should speak for itself yeah um i think that's that's what's the change yeah and i also think we've talked a lot about the benefits to employee satisfaction as well but there on the flip side of that there's also benefits to the charity or to businesses by bringing other people in the room as well because the views and the ideas that we come up with and the projects that we that we create and deliver are not just created and delivered by people based in London or based wherever the headquarters are, by bringing everyone else in the room and getting different opinions from all over the UK, all all over the world, it can only have a beneficial impact on the the work that we do. Do you mean the digital room as well? Yeah, the digital, (laughs) the virtual lobby. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I I think... We, we, you know, there's that saying that two heads are better than one, and it's so true. Um, you know, if you work with somebody else who doesn't have the same opinions as you, doesn't have the same background as you, actually what you produce is different, yeah. much different to what you would have produced on your own. Um, and there are other benefit benefits um, for organisations. Retaining talent, yeah. um, you know, it's as a, as a working mum, there was a time and place where... I wouldn't be able to have a career and be a mum. 
that that is for some that's still a challenge but it's definitely changing where you can be a great parent and you can be a great employee so for Cancer Research UK to be able to allow me to be both means that they've retained my my knowledge of Cancer Research UK and that's quite a bit because I've been here a long yeah. time um, you know and they don't have to keep paying f to recruit somebody new so I think that's also a real good benefit to yeah. charity. Are there any other companies that you think are doing um, well in this space? Well or badly actually? <laughs> yeah I... Or you know in terms of kind of looking to the future and looking at the workforce and their working environments and technology and things like that. So I think there's there's a like a service design movement which is looking at designing services for the people and I think organizations like GDS are doing really really well in that. I think that's government digital service. It yeah. is, yeah. Um I I think though it's really difficult it's really difficult actually for me to pinpoint an organization that's really doing the same thing as we are because I think we're in a different challenge to some other organisations and actually um, quite a lot of times you know I have conversations with people from much larger organisations from different industries and they're not yet at the stage where we are at Cancer Research UK so I like to think we're sort of tra trailblazing mm. but I think there is a service design movement happening where we are trying to change the way we deliver work for for our supporters, for our customers. And that's more in a way that is more user-centric and embedding testing and learning and creating for the user and not necessarily, you know, my opinion counts and I'm going to deliver what I think because it doesn't work that way. So one question we always ask uh, on this podcast is kind of for recommendations for other charities and, and how... Do you think other charities or organisations can benefit um, from what you're doing, from what you've learned? Um, and do you have any kind of general advice for anyone who's doing something similar to what you're doing at the moment? So in terms of something I think other charities can do is just simply try something. Just, just try it. Have a look at the type of workforce that you have and the workforce that you want to attract and retain. Um, have a look at where your challenges are, where your pain points are across that workforce and just test something new. Um, so if you know that, you know, being able to collaborate with different types of people across the organisation because you're quite a siloed organisation, that might be a challenge that you have. So test something. Try getting a cross-functional team together to work on a, a project and see what they come up with and then learn from it and then try something new. Um, I think that's, and that could be anything, it could be large or small. Yeah. So I think sometimes people um, have said to me, oh, it's Cancer Research UK, it's a large charity, it's easier for you to do these types of things. Actually, um, sometimes if you're a smaller charity, it's easier to do these these things and test something because you have less silos, less cl yeah. complexity, um, less people to engage with. So I'd say try something. Yeah, and a lot of the time to do it in terms like with low cost and low resource, it could be um, looking more at the trialing different ways of working rather than different hardware and software that can start, the, the cost of that can start to build up. But to just trial more flexible ways of working. Yeah, definitely. Or, or trial, you know, a new etiquette for meetings yeah. um, to make sure that actually everyone has, are on the same level 
par as to what a good meeting would look like. And that could just be an A4 document that you put up in a meeting room um, with guidance that you test. Uh, You might want to test whether first people understand it. So like maybe a comprehension test or and then testing whether people are using it um, and then understanding well, what could we be doing to make it better? So there's there's loads of things, but I would always start with the user need. So what what is the need that you're trying to address? What is the challenge you're facing? And then design something that's really quick and lean. So I think that that's the whole principle of lean, right? Yeah. To uh, test something very small uh, with limited resources and learn from it really, really quickly. Yeah, great. And... The last question was something that I was particularly interested in. I know we've touched on outside of the podcast, which was what do you think the main differences will be with the workplace of the future? And do you think it will have any impact on things like people not needing to live in the city anymore? That kind of thing. The London housing market it might drop with people living more remotely. Yeah. So I think... I Very think, hard question. Apologies. Yeah, no, that's fine. I think this has the potential to change so many different things. On the train in this morning, I was cramped. Um, you know, it was hot and sweaty, and ev- because everyone was trying to get to their yep. nine to five. Now, if we worked in a in a situation where actually I'm collaborating with someone across the world, so a different time zone, um, and I'm working flexible hours. I might not even need to get on the train at all. So transport might look very, very different um, if the culture is more accepted that we're working in a more flexible way. Um, housing market, like you've mentioned already, um, might change. I, you know, I love the beach, and if I could do my job like sitting out looking at the beach, I, I would. And technology isn't the barrier to do that; it's the culture. Um, so, so yeah, I think in terms of where I would want to live, yeah. I would be living on a beach somewhere, um, and still delivering great, amazing work. That yeah. is the dream. <laughs> that is my dream. That's my secret, like yeah. my secret mission <laughs> to get myself on a beach doing and the same job. You never know in the future if that was the case, the train's into London might start to run on time as well. It might do. <laughs> it might do. We can only hope. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I That's think a crazy there's... idea <laughs> though it may be. But. I think like it this this is just the beginning. And I think when um you know technology first came out, no one knew where it was going to go. No one knew that we would have the power that we do in our mobile phone and it's just normal for you to have one. In fact, it's in, it's not normal if you don't have one. Yeah. Um, you know, no one knew that. No one, no one thought electricity was really going to be as big as it is, you know. So with any change, it could potentially change the way we are, what humans yeah. do. Yeah. Um, and B and the role of robots and yeah. that's getting a bit too techy. Change yeah. the world, man. <laughs> yeah, it could definitely reduce anxiety levels across the board and stress levels. Well, funny you say that, actually, because I was reading an article about anxiety and stress, and I think they call it techno-stress, yeah. um, because with the fact that everything is so much faster, you know, you, get an, you send an email and it arrives immediate. You send a WhatsApp message and it arrives immediate. Yeah. Um, everything is immediate now, and actually the stress that cre- that's created of trying to keep up um, and trying to make sure you're always connected 
always responding, always working. If you, the flip side of all the benefits of being able to work flexibly and collaborative and all of that is if it's not managed very well, you could start increasing your techno stress. Better wrap up there. That's been super, super interesting. And thank you so much for sharing all your um, wisdom and and insights. Um, Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So thank you for listening. Uh, We hope you enjoyed hearing from Rachel. Rachel's Twitter handle is rachelzavier1 if you want to follow her. If you'd like to hear more from the technology team at CREK, look for us on LinkedIn or our blog has now moved to Medium. All of the links will be included in the show notes for the episode. Thanks to Steve Burke for producing the podcast. Yes, thanks a lot, Steve. And thank you again to everyone who gave us positive feedback on the last episode with Rob Leyland, uh, who came on to talk about emerging technologies. That episode, along with our first, is still available to download now if you'd like to listen. If you did like the podcast, please do share it on your network, like it, leave it a review, and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes.